all stand together. We're going to read God's word. We're going to read our theme verse. And this verse is found in the book of Psalms. And it's a prayer by the children of Israel. Let me ask you a question. How many have ever felt like you weren't really um, thriving, you were just surviving? Okay, 12 of you. The rest of you just have had a great life. Come on, anybody ever gone through some tough seasons where you're just getting by? Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, I see you all in Santa Paula. So this was what was happening to the children of Israel. They'd come back from exile, from the land of the uh, Babylonians. They come back, and they're still under political rule of the Persians. The walls have been broken down of their city, so they're, they're getting raided by the enemy. They're just getting by. But how many know God has more for us than that? And so I want us to read this verse. This was their prayer, and I want it to be our prayer as we pray it together today. And all the campuses, come on, I hope you're standing in Santa Paula. hope you're standing in Blythe. In fact, if you're in Mexico City, you, you can stand with us. Let's read this prayer together out loud. Everybody, ready? Won't you? Let's try it, Let's try it again. Come on, I want to hear you so loud they can hear you in every location. Ready? Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Come on, just close your eyes. If you want to lift a hand, you can. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We say, speak in this place to every heart. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to breathe. Breathe upon us. In Jesus' name, we make room for you. Revive us, oh Lord. That is our prayer. And everybody said in every location, Amen. amen. You may be seated. Woo. So if you haven't heard, three weeks ago on a Sunday morning during the last service, the Holy Spirit showed up in a, an unusual and a profound way. I was trying not, if you've been around very long, you know that I'm a bit of a crier and I'll break into tear, a little, you know, a little bit of tears in my eyes from time to time and get emotional. But what happened three Sundays ago was not that, it was so much more. The Holy Spirit just kept coming on me and every time I'd try to keep preaching, he would come on me again. And eventually, I just sensed that God was saying, hey, we need to do something here. And so I walked to the front right here, and I said, I want you to just lift your hands and begin to pray with me. And this service, I um, turned into a, just a, like an outpouring, an incredible time where people began praying and calling out to God. Not only did that happen, we called people forward that needed strength, and literally half of the congregation was smashed, standing all around the altar, all the way out into the aisles. And my wife, Devette, came up and began to speak prophetic words, and I began to minister. And it was just a, a Holy Spirit moment. Anybody ever had a moment where the Holy Spirit just kind of came and did something wonderful? And when that happened, it stirred something in me, and so I literally changed what I was going to do, and I started a brand new series called Revived, that God wants to revive us. And many of us are kind of like all of these zombie movies, The Walking Dead. A lot of Christians are... They're going through the motions, but we've lost that life and that power that God wants us to have. And so I began this series called Revived, and we ended up carrying that into last weekend. Last weekend, I talked to you about if we're going to be revived, and I introduced you to a guest named Annie. Everybody say, hi, Annie. And um, Annie was here, and we talked about the reviving process. In fact, last week I, I, I used, because in, the rea in reality, things that happen in the natural often are a, an example or there can be uh, principles taken of what's happening in the supernatural, in the spiritual realm. 
And just as someone who um, needs to be revived in the natural, there's a process, and we call that CPR. Um, CPR stands for cardiopulmonary resuscitation. We learned last week that one of the things you do is you do um, chest compressions, 30 chest compressions, and then you do mouth to mouth. And that, what does that do? That gets the heart pumping so that blood continues to go to the brain, hoping that the heart might restart or at least keeping you on life support, so to speak, until they can come and do a procedure to get everything going again. And so in the natural, just like we need the heart to be revived, we learned last weekend that we need to pray a prayer, and that is God revive our heart. Because last week we learned that the heart can become hardened, calloused. In fact, many of us have HHS, which stands for hard-hearted syndrome. And we haven't felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit in years. I asked the question last week, how, when was the last time you felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your heart? When you did something, and it wasn't just you did something that you knew wasn't right and you just kept on, but the conviction of God came upon you and you're like, God, I don't want to do that. I want to repent of my sins. And so we learned last week about praying prayers of repentance. That's one way that God uses his spiritual nature to awaken the heart. But not only do we need the heart to be awakened, And not only do we need to pray for God revive our heart, here's the thing we're going to learn this week, and that is we need God to revive our breath. Everybody say, revive my breath. breath. We need to have our breath come back. So um, if, for instance, someone drowns, what happens is they've suffocated, they've lost their breath. So the process for uh, bringing someone back through CPR is a little different. When you pull them out of the water, you lay them flat on the ground, then you turn their head sideways so that if there's any liquid in the throat or in the mouth, it can drain out. Then what you do is you put the head back, you clear the passageway for air to go, and then you do six quick breaths to try to get oxygen and air going into the lungs. Now, I won't take time and explain the process, but you need breath to survive. You need air to live. And then you begin the heart compressions, 30 heart compressions and then two breaths, 30 heart compressions and two breaths. The point of that idea is that you need breath to live. Without breath, you can't survive. And the same is true in the spirit. Without God's spirit, God's breath, you can't survive. You need breath to live spiritually. Y'all with me? In fact, let me just give you a thought, and and then I'm going to kind of teach a little bit today, and then we're going to end with a little bit of of, of worship. But I want want to explain this first thought, and it's this. You receive breath through birth, and I just want to kind of lay a foundation. So when you're in your mother's womb, you're alive, but you're not breathing. In order when you are are birthed to survive, how many know that the child has to breathe and usually it starts to cry or scream right like ah! and you're like yay my child and you know how awesome is that scream at that moment but then from then on it's not so beautiful <laughs> but the scream means it's got breath and as long as it has breath it's alive the same principle is true in fact you realize that when God created man the Bible says he formed him from the dust of the earth but he wasn't alive. He was created, but he wasn't living until the Bible says God breathed into his nostrils or breathed breath into him and he became a living being. So in the natural, you need breath to live. The same thing is true spiritually. In order to be alive spiritually, to go to heaven, to have a relationship with Christ, 
you have to have the breath of God. I want to show it to you. It's found in the Bible. Jesus is speaking to Nehemiah. I'm sorry, to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, how can I you know, be in the kingdom of God? How can I be alive in God? And here's what Jesus said. He said, I reassure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the what? The Spirit. You need the Spirit. The Spirit is what breathes life. It gives you spiritual life. He goes on to say, humans can produce only humans, human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God breathes his spirit inside of him. In fact, I had someone come up to me last night. He said, Pastor Jared, you know, I've been a Christian for many years, and I've heard about the, you know, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and spiritual language and the, that, and, and I've heard people say you get filled with the spirit, but when I became a Christian, do I have the spirit of God? Yes. You have the spirit. When you receive Jesus, you're filled with the spirit of God. Because that spirit is what births you, gives you life into the kingdom. Y'all with me? In fact, a, a beautiful example of this is remember when Jesus had died and then he rose again and the disciples are waiting, you know, they're wondering what's going on and he walks through a wall, remember that? And he comes into the room, he appears to them and the Bible says that Jesus looks at them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit and then he breathed on them. And that is a beautiful picture, which by the way, I wonder if he'd put certs in his mouth. Because remember, he'd been dead for three days. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Hopefully it was good breath. But Jesus breathed on him. I'm not being sacrilegious. Some of, some of you are like getting nervous right now. Don't worry. I don't think lightning's going to strike. Just having fun this morning. Point being is this was an example of these disciples who had been with Jesus but he hadn't died and risen again. He wasn't the sacrifice for all sin yet. Now that he had died and risen again... They believe in Jesus, and what's the first thing that happens? They're filled with the Holy Spirit. So new life in Christ happens, you're birthed through the breath or the wind. The word um, breath there is a, is a Greek word, which is the word pneuma, or wind of God. In the Old Testament, it's the word ruach, which is to mean, it means to breathe. So literally, God breathes his life, his wind, his breath into you, and you become a living being. Anybody thankful that you're alive in Jesus and the, the Spirit of God has filled you? So we receive the Spirit of God. Now, however, in natural, if someone loses their breath, and how many know that, how many, how many of you have ever had a situation where you got the wind knocked out of you? I'll never forget when I started playing football and I was a running back and the first time I broke through a hole and I got hit from behind and the way they hit me, it knocked the breath out of me and I thought I was dying because I couldn't breathe. I got up and I jumped up and down and I was running back and forth across the field going, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And they're like, settle down, take a breath, you're okay. In life... The enemy, pain, trials, difficulties sometimes will just knock the breath out of you. There are people here right now, people in Santa Paula in that location or in Blythe or maybe you're in Colorado or you're in Texas and you feel like that the trials of life, the enemy has come and boom, it has knocked the wind out of you and you just, just feel empty. The tank is empty and you, something's missing. You don't have your strength. So in the natural, when you lose your breath, there's three ways to get your breath back. One is... Mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. The other is an apparatus like this where you put it over. And the third is they hook you to, actually they use this and they put a machine to it and it sends oxygen and it fills your lungs with air. If you're here and you've ever had the spirit or the breath knocked out of you and you feel like the, the, the enemy has just pulled the tank empty because of some trials in life, I'm going to tell you how to catch your breath in the spirit. Come on, get your breath back. 
So we're going to learn four quick ways to get our breath back. Because I believe God is trying to revive our hearts and he's trying to revive our breath. That we're walking not in the flesh but in the spirit. Come on, y'all with me. We need to walk in the spirit and we need to be filled and overflowing with the spirit of God. So here's the first way that you catch your breath. You ready? Write it down. Santa Paula, write this down. Blythe, write this down. You catch your breath through prayer and worship. You catch your breath through prayer and worship. I'm about to read to you an example. Now, in this example, the children of God, they're the disciples, about 120 of Jesus' followers. They've gone to Jerusalem and they're waiting for God's promise. They've seen Jesus has risen again and um, they accepted Jesus. They've received the spirit of God. But God says you need more. I want to give you more because when I give you more of my spirit, it's going to give you power. He said you receive power You'll receive where the Spirit of God comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So in other words, we don't just need a spirit to make us alive in Christ. We need a spirit to give us power to be witnesses. Amen? Amen. So watch what happens. They're waiting, and here's what they're doing. If you read the verses leading up, they're in prayer, in unity together, in one accord, and they're in worship. So this is literally the room where Jesus gave communion to his disciples, and they sang hymns of worship. So they come back to this place where they're singing, they're worshiping, and they're praying, and watch what happens in an atmosphere of prayer and worship. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And what's the next word? Everyone, Everyone present. You know what that means in the Greek? Everyone. (laughs) Now, here's what I love. Think about this, Blythe. Think about this, um, Santa Paula. Everyone present. Everyone that was there present in an atmosphere of prayer and worship began to speak in other languages. Now, this word can be translated tongues. Some people get freaked out by the word tongues just because when you think of the word tongue, you think of a tongue, and that's a little freaky thing. But when it's talking about tongues, what it literally means is language. So people began to speak in spiritual languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. What's awesome is in this atmosphere of prayer and worship. Now, let me just say the Holy Spirit has different manifestations and different expressions. Sometimes, like in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. Why? Because they weren't filled with the Spirit. It wasn't until the day of Pentecost that people experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit or through Christ being filled with the Spirit and birthed into salvation and into the kingdom of God. Old Testament, God came upon people like David when he played the harp. In the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit coming upon people. We see him breathing across a a, a congregation like this. There's a manifestation where people experienced Some people, when the Holy Spirit begins to move in their life, they'll they'll demonstrate uh, things that show their experience in it. It may be weeping. It may be people sometimes I've seen fall down. We see that with, remember when Saul was on the road to Damascus and Jesus showed up and he couldn't stand anymore. He was knocked on the ground. In fact, the people that were with him were knocked on the ground. In fact, that same thing happened in, in the example in the garden. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus and they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And the Bible says everybody was fallen, uh, knocked to the ground. So we see examples sometimes where there's an expression where people will have a physical encounter or experience. Maybe they go weak. 
Or, or there are other experiences where the Bible says that people were filled but continually filled. You realize that the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And did you know the word filled means be being continually all the time filled? So what that says is don't get caught just being drunk in, in, in the natural Get filled up and continually filled up with the Spirit of God. Because how many know we need to just keep on getting filled? Why? Because we lose our breath. So there's different expressions. And in this passage, what happened is when they began to worship and when they began to pray, the Holy Spirit came and they got their breath back. Maybe you're here and you need to get your breath back. One way to catch your breath is through being in the presence of the Lord through prayer and worship. Y'all with me? Another example is they got their breath back. They caught your breath through the laying on of hands. In the book of Acts, we see the same thing happen. This is, again, where the Spirit comes upon them in in a powerful way. And the way He comes upon them is they receive a prayer language. That's what happened uh, at the beginning of uh, chapter 2 of Acts. It happens again here in Acts chapter 8. And what happens here is the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, had not yet not come upon any of them. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let me pause there. So Peter and John had come to this city in Samaria because Philip had gone there and a revival had broken out and people start accepting Jesus. But they received Christ. Of course, the Holy Spirit had birthed them into life in Christ. But they hadn't had this overwhelming baptism experience where they began to speak in spiritual language and where there began to be a release of spiritual gifts with signs and wonders and miracles and things of that nature. So the disciples say, well, then Peter and John laid their hands upon the believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we know they received the Holy Spirit? Because right after that, this man named Simon, who was a sorcerer, saw when they laid their hands on them that something happened. Now we know what that is. They began to speak in spiritual language. And what does he do? He says to Peter, he said, hey, can I pay you money so that I can do that? Basically, when I lay my hands on people, the supernatural thing happens and they speak in spiritual languages. And Peter says, you know, curse you and your money and and the whole thing goes down. But the interesting thing was is that the spirit, they caught their breath. There was this empowerment of God's spirit. And how did it happen? Not just prayer and worship, but through the laying on of hands. Can I tell you that's why every week we have people standing on the side of our auditorium. So that as we begin to worship God in the atmosphere of God's presence where His Spirit is moving, if you're here and you have a need and you need to catch your breath, you can walk over and someone can put their hand on their shoulder or place their hand on your head or join hands with you and through the laying on of hands, sometimes God will use that vehicle as a method to fill you with the Spirit of God. How many are thankful that God fills us when we need strength? And I'm going to tell you, we have miracles happen over there all the time. People are healed. Lives are changed. Prophetic words are given. Laying on of hands is one way to catch your breath. Y'all still with me? Just kind of giving you, in fact, can I just talk about hands for a minute? You know, the Bible says in, in Hebrews that we're to move on to maturity in Christ and not keep laying the same basic foundational doctrines. And then it lays out a couple of those doctrines. It says the doctrine of baptism and the doctrine of laying on of hands. Can I tell you that if you're in a church, you need to be in a church that believes and encourages laying on of hands because it's a foundational doctrine in the principles of God for the kingdom of God. Y'all with me? 
We also know that in James, what does the Bible say? That if you're sick, to call for the elders of the church and have them lay hands on you. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. So laying on of hands is a biblical principle. And one of the things it does is it releases the ruach. It releases the pneuma, the breath of God to bring life into people. Amen? Amen. So you catch your breath through prayer and worship. You catch your breath through laying on of hands. Here's the third one. You catch your breath through the word. You catch your breath through the word. I want to share this with you now, and it's, it's in the book of Acts. Let me set it up. Remember, the children of Israel, God's people, the Jewish people, had encountered Jesus, and they were saved in faith in Christ, their Messiah. But they thought it was just for them, but they didn't realize that God wanted it not just for them, but to the Gentiles. What, are, what is a Gentile? In fact, most of you would qualify as a Gentile, because if you're not a, of Jewish descent, that means you're a Gentile. So if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Say, I'm a Gentile. Many of you are Gentiles. And so God wanted the, the, the salvation, the Messiah, and the breath, and the wind, and the Spirit of God to not just be for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. But it was against Jewish law to spend time with Gentiles, to go to a Gentile's house to eat. So it was hard for them to even understand that that could happen. So God allows these supernatural things to take place. He gives a, 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 has an angel visit a man named Cornelius, who's a Gentile. And he tells him, go and find P Peter at Simon of Tanner's house in Tarsus. And so he does. He goes to this house. Well, when he gets there, what he didn't know is that Peter was on the roof. He was taking a nap. And he sees a vision. And in this vision, he sees a, a sheet come down from heaven. And there's all kinds of animals in there. And many of the animals are like pigs and animals, uh, shell, shellfish, the type of food that as a Jew you weren't allowed to eat. And God speaks to Peter and says, kill and eat. Peter says, I can't do that. That's against the law. And God said, what I've made clean, you can't say is unclean. What he didn't know is that in just a moment, then he gets up from the nap and, and the Holy Spirit says, there's some men here, go with them. So God's setting this thing up. Now he ends up going to Cornelius' house, which is the home of Gentiles, the unclean. And he ends up in the house of the unclean and he's like, why am I here? And they said, because an angel showed up and told me that you were supposed to come to our house and preach to us. So watch what happens when he starts preaching the word of God and, and preaching the message of Jesus. Watch this. He says, so even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. And then it goes on to say, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Do you realize what's powerful about this? There's, there's a whole message. We could, we could spend a lot of time on this passage. But the point I want to make is that the Holy Spirit was released. They caught their breath through the preaching of the word. You see, that's why every week when you come into God's house, we take time to preach the word. Because here's the, what the Bible says. And according to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed. So when you hear the scripture being preached to you, you're getting the spirit of God breathed into your nostrils, breathed into your life. Now, I grew up, I had someone come to me, and I, I appreciated what they said. They said, you know, Pastor Jared, thank you for a couple weeks ago, you know, just going off script and, and letting the Holy Spirit move. And, and when they said that, it reminded me, and I'm just going to tell you, when I was growing up, we kind of had this uh, uh, subconscious thing going. And here's what it basically was. It was like, well, God didn't move unless there was no preaching. 
because it seemed like, you know, we'd have this service where something would happen, the Holy Spirit would start moving, and then suddenly we would, there'd be no preaching because we started praying for people, and so then we started leaving with this, wow, the Holy Spirit moved, there was no preaching. And so suddenly, suddenly we had this feeling that, well, if, you know, you know, if there's no preaching, that's when the Spirit's moving. Can I tell you, there's no greater time that the Spirit is moving than when we're preaching and teaching the Word of God. Now, there are times where God will do something unique and special, but I want to tell you the greatest time is that when we take time to open the scripture and we release the scripture, why? Because I see people walk in here every week and literally their breath has been knocked out of them. Some of them, they lost their breath because they're walking in fear and then suddenly we open up the Bible and the Bible says, God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind and suddenly people rise up with hope and faith and they leave encouraged and strengthened. Why? Because the word breathes the spirit into you I've seen people walk into this room and they've had the wind knocked out of them because they feel like nothing's going to change I can't do this I'm not capable of this I'm always going to be defeated and suddenly the word is opened and the preacher begins to declare listen greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and suddenly people get a breath again and they believe man things can change Come on, some of you are like, he's getting his preach on. He's an angry elf. <laughs> not, not an angry elf. Passionate because the word, the word will breathe life into you. That's why you need to read the word. That's why you need to hear the word. Why? Because it'll breathe life into you. you catch your breath through the word, and then I'm going to give you the last one. You catch your breath through prophetic declarations. Through prophetic messages from the fivefold gift, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, when the prophetic gift begins to operate and, and speaks prophetically, what happens? It breathes the spirit. It, it causes people to catch their breath. I want to show you an example and it's found in the book of Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, God took this prophet and showed him a valley that was filled with dry bones. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of churches, a lot of Christians that are, that they are the epitome of that prophetic um, thing that happened in Ezekiel. They're a bunch of dry, dead bones spiritually. And they've lost their life and they've lost their strength. And so God says to Ezekiel, he says, prophesy to the bones. And he does. And when he does, literally, the bones start to, to quake and they come together. And the hip bone's connected to the leg bone. And the leg bone's connected to the hip bone. And they come together. And God puts flesh on these bones. But it's still not alive. And so then God says to the prophet, he says, speak a prophetic message to these bones. Prophesy, declare. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. And if you read on, the Bible says that the wind of God came, filled them up, and there arose a mighty army. And I'm telling you that one of the ways that you'll experience life and refreshing and catching your breath spiritually is to be in atmospheres where there's a prophetic anointing, where a pastor or a prophetic leadership can get up and begin to speak prophetically over you, that you can make it, that your best days are before you and not behind you, that you can live in Christ greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world you need prophetic declarations because that's an atmosphere Amen. where you catch your breath God's wanting to revive Santa Paula Blythe he's wanting to revive some moms and some dads some grandmas and some grandpas 
some students. He doesn't want you living like a zombie. He doesn't want you just surviving. He wants you to live. Can I tell you one last thing? He wants you to be filled with his spirit and his breath. Here's why. So that you can give mouth to mouth to people who need life. Now let me stop and say, Pastor Jared did not say go out and give mouth to mouth to people on the street. It's metaphorical. If you're married, that's fine. Did you know the Bible says freely you have received, freely give. Did you know the Bible says you have a river of living water rising up within you? And the Bible says the definition of that river is the Spirit of God. God wants you, that's why he wants you to be filled with the Spirit in salvation, but he wants you to be baptized in the Spirit and an overflowing work of the Holy Spirit so you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit so that you have enough to, to release out to breathe on others and bring life into others. You need not bad breath. You need Holy Ghost breath. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Problem is the church is, where's my inhaler? Oh, my, man, my heart, my whole on. God's saying, I want I want a, I want a church that'll pray a prayer and say, give me a new heart. And breathe. Breathe upon me.